So Sheldon Thomas is the founder and chief executive of Gangsline. Um, he has an unprecedented insight, really, into gangs through his own experience as being a leading gang member in the 70s. Now dedicates his life to engaging with gang leaders and members towards changing people's lives. And about a year ago, I was watching uh, Newsnight and um, Emily Maitlis was interviewing Sheldon and something that she uh, asked him clearly provoked a response to which uh, I remember him saying, that question means nothing, you don't understand. These people are existing in a parallel universe to you. Um, at which point it seemed really important that we get Sheldon here today to map just that universe and make us see and feel what it is and our responsibility to it. So, Sheldon Thomas. Um, good afternoon, everyone. Um, I will admit that I'm not used to standing in front of um, such prestigious people. Um, <laughs> So, uh, um, believe it or not, I am a bit kind of um, nervous. Um, today, unfortunately, I can't tell you my whole life story because the time won't permit. Um, you'll be here all night, and I'm, I'm sure you want to go and have drinks and so forth. So, basically, I'm a former gang member, um, and as Sam said, I was a gang leader in the 70s. And um, my particular gang was from Brixton, and... We spent a lot of time fighting racist police officers, and some of you may have heard of the National Front. Um, we spent a lot of time fighting the National Front, and if you go on YouTube and type in um, the National Front March in Lewisham 1977, you'll find my gang at the forefront. If you type in 1981 Brixton Riots, 1982 Brixton Riots, you'll find my gang again at the forefront of the struggles. Um, Many of it is a social response, a social response to what many of us young black men felt at the time. And even though I'm speaking from that perspective, there was also a class struggle up north between white underclass, a major issue which never gets discussed. And they were going through issues of their own, postcode issues, such as in areas like Salford, um, where white young men could not get jobs because of the postcodes they were in. White young men in Norris Green in, in, in Liverpool couldn't get jobs because of the area they came from. And areas like um, Croxteth um, in Liverpool, again, where white men could not get jobs. So if you look the two, young black men and the white young white men, struggles um, have the same kind of struggles. And sometimes the press might to make you believe that only young black men have these struggles. But white men... Um, have these same struggles up north, and there were major issues. And hence why many of these young men, like myself, turned to gangs, not just because of poverty and deprivation, but again to do with um, lack of emotional support from the family home. And today I'm going to kind of try and take you on a quick journey, a very quick snapshot of what I mean when I talk about um, emotional, lack of emotional love in the family home. Um, there was a recent UN report that was released two years ago, um, and it was done by UNICEF, and it says that um, people in Britain or adults in Britain spend more time at work than we do with our children, which I believe is true. 
And part of the problem we have with gangs is that it's easy to use the word deprivation and poverty as a sole incubator, but actually the real reason why young men and women fall into this lifestyle is that they lack something at home and they go looking elsewhere for a sense of belonging. And unfortunately, the people they tend to go to are gang members, radicalized Muslims, and far-right groups who then feed into that vulnerability of those children. So um, what I'm going to do is just kind of start today very quickly into um, what do I mean when I say children go looking. So the first thing we've got up here is grooming. And we've got vulnerable children, uh, middle-class children showing signs of potential. And look at that. I've got a degree and there's a spelling mistake. <laughs> wow. Un unbelievable. I don't know what that degree stood for, really. Um, so, um, grooming, when I say grooming, these children, and I say, and I've got vulnerable middle class and showing signs, what I want you to know is that this culture of gangs or street culture is, does not see class, does not see race, and doesn't see gender. And we mustn't get con mixed up with what the press tells us and what the political agenda says. This culture grabs any child. Any child that has a mobile phone that can get YouTube on it, your children can be groomed into this lifestyle because it looks exciting. The lifestyle of the streets looks exciting, but actually there is a serious downside to it. So that's the reason why I've got up there vulnerable children. Yes, vulnerable meaning some kids are from deprived background, definitely. But middle-class kids are now more likely to get involved. Why? Because many of their parents who are... Um, uh, you know, doing well um, in jobs or their private businesses, do not spend enough time with their children. So what happens with these young men and women, they go looking elsewhere via the YouTube, the music, and what they do, they get caught up with this street life. And what's happening now is that the culture is not in just particular areas like um, deprived communities. It's now spread into the suburbs. Hence why I wrote county lines at the beginning. County lines means it's going into your areas. That's what it means. It's grabbing your kids. That's what it means. It doesn't mean it's, it's now just in a, an area where it's deprived, where there's regeneration needed to kind of regenerate the area. We have to understand when we're dealing with gangs, we're not dealing with gangs as the word says, we're actually dealing with vulnerable children. Once you're dealing with vulnerable children, then the picture becomes a lot wider than just the word gangs. And as you can see down here, I've got street gangs, radicalized Muslims and far right groups. And the reason why I've got those three under grooming, it's quite simple. Street gangs, radicalized Muslims and far right groups do the same thing. They go after vulnerable children. They go after children that they can coerce, exploit, and manipulate. That is what they do. And the difference between my days when I was a gang leader is that we wouldn't groom young children. It was not part of our agenda. And that's because we had slightly a different value system and a different moles. Today's gangs do not care. They don't care. The radicalized Muslims don't care. They go after any child that is vulnerable. So it doesn't have to be a black kid. It doesn't have to be just a white kid. It could be any child. And we have to understand, when we're dealing with grooming, it's not exclusive to street gangs. Radicalized Muslims 
and far-right groups do the same thing. But the difference between street gangs and radicalized Muslims is that they have different ideologies. The ideology of the streets is money. The ideology of the radicalized Muslims and the far-right groups is a political agenda. That's the difference between the two. But they groom and exploit and manipulate children, young adults, in exactly the same way. And what we have to understand is that we need to be careful that we're trying to separate each one to make it sound as if street gangs are different to radicalized Muslims. They're not. They manipulate. They lie. I know about that. I told a lot of lies. Now we're going to have a look at what you find is how social sites are used to promote the excitement of the streets. And of course, there's a picture of a young black kid, but if I took, went up to Liverpool, it would be a young white kid doing the same thing. Make no mistake about it. The three things street gangs have in common, um, whether they're black or white, is money, respect, and girls. So it doesn't matter about color. And what we have to understand is when we're trying to understand street gangs, we have to understand the world they're in. They're not in our world. They're in a completely different universe, a different world to us. The world they're in has those three meanings. In the world we have, it's slightly different. We have purpose, we've got drive, we, we've got direction. Their direction is money, girls, and respect. Respect comes from violence. So now, with social sites, what they tend to do is use Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all these different accounts to show off to other kids about the excitement of the streets. And if you can see, there's, he's got diamonds on his, his um, wrist, he's got boxes of money, um, and he's just basically letting young people believe in something that is not true. Now, don't get me wrong, street young kids will earn a lot of money. At the moment, we've got in parts of East London, South London, parts of Manchester, parts of Liverpool, um, and parts of Nottingham, where we've got 10-year-olds who sell drugs. We've got 10-year-olds who ride their BMXs, and they make about 40 to 100 pounds a day, tax-free, selling drugs. I had to throw that in. <laughs> and when you have a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, making between 40 to 100 or 175 pounds a day from selling drugs, then you can realize how hard it would be for any one of us to get that person out of that lifestyle. Because once they're in that lifestyle for more than a year or two years and they don't get caught, they are going to get used to that money. And nothing you or I say will get them out of it. And that's the reason why we need to understand the power of social sites, the power of these guys flashing off the money, the power that it has. But the whole reason they're able to do this is that we do not spend enough time with our kids. If we don't spend the right amount of time with our kids, those gang members will. They fill the gap of love, even though it's not the right love. They fill the gap of the need that these kids are missing in our own homes because we're not there to fill that need. 
not because of any fault of anyone's in this room or anyone else, it's because we've got a job to do, we've got to go to work. But the fact is, today's world is different, it's changing. We have got different things that are attacking our kids than it did when I was young. When I was in a gang, there was no such thing as a computer, no internet, no mobile phone, no YouTube, no MTV, none of those things existed. Nothing existed. So my parents already had a struggle, but can you imagine the struggle of parents who have got to contain or contend with social sites, YouTube, phones, where your kid can just listen to any of these kinds of music all the time. So we need, to be, we need to understand the culture of gangs is now spreading right across the UK, and it uh, does not see colour. And it definitely doesn't see class. So it doesn't matter whether you're middle class or not, it's coming to your neighbourhood. So now let's have a look at the language, some of the, the, the kind of the way these guys promote their agenda and the music that they, that they promote to use that to, um, to promote their stuff and the language and the way the images, how your children buy into it, you'll be able to see now. I'm a bit too soon. Okay. This picture I took in Croxteth. This is a picture of a Croxteth gang in Liverpool. The youngest person in the picture was nine. The oldest person was 12. As you can see, they're all white kids. And what they were, what they were dealing with there was crack. Because sometimes you don't know the reality because you're in your own world. You're in a different world. Some of you may have never heard about this, and some of you may have, and may think, well, it ain't going to come to your neighborhood because you're middle class or you're not middle class, whatever. But the fact is, this is real. These guys are selling drugs for older gang members in Liverpool. Because what we don't understand is that these kids, all of these kids in this shot here, had no fathers. We've got a problem with absent fathers in the UK and we never address it. A lot of these children are growing up in households where there were no father figures. These kids here told me that they've never, they don't know who their dads are because their dad left when they were very young, never to be seen again. So we've become a society where we've almost accepted it's okay for children to grow up with no fathers at the elm to help or even to support. And these kids are growing up with no male role models, no strong male role models. And that's the reason why I took that picture. They allowed me to. Yes, they covered their faces. That's okay. But it's important for you guys to understand the youngest in there was nine and the oldest was 12. And they're already dealing crack. And that was in Liverpool. This is something I did with the Times newspaper. And the reason why I did it, I wanted to show you guys how the gangs in London are spreading across the UK. If you look up there, right next door to where you guys are, Oxford, Aylesbury, I. Wickham, Reading, Windsor, Chesham, they're already here. London gangs are already here. This is nothing contained to d deprived neighborhoods. 
Don't get stuck on that. Gang members want to make money. What better place to come than a middle-class area? The biggest users of cocaine are white middle-class people. Not black kids, not white underclass, not white poor people. White middle-class people are the biggest users of cocaine in the UK. We never address it because we're so busy looking after trying to chase a 12-year-old selling drugs from a deprived neighborhood, we're forgetting that it's all about supply and demand. If there was no demand, there'd be no supply. And these gang members are not as stupid as we think they are. Just because they've been kicked out of school at 13, or not in a school, or not into education, it doesn't mean they haven't got the sense of how to market their product. They know by coming to areas like this, Aylesbury, I Wickham, they can make more money there than they can make in London in the deprived neighborhoods. And these kids have dropped out of school. So they're not as dumb as the, pre the press like you to believe they are. But also what comes with that is violence. Because the way they work is if the people that are selling the drugs for them, the runners, that's what they're called, the people that sell drugs for them is called runners, if these kids smoke the drug and don't make the money, what these gang members have not told them is that they'll come knocking at their mum's door and they'll kidnap their mum. If they can't find their mum, they'll kidnap your sister. If they can't find the sister, they'll go to your, your, um, the brother's primary school and wait for the little brother to come out of school and kidnap him. Because these young kids who see the money and think it's all glamorous, don't realize the consequence to getting involved with street gangs. And there's always a downside. And that was just a little picture here. Remember, this is just a small snippet of what really is going on. But I had to bring that here to show you that they're already here. And this concerns all of us. This is nothing where we should look at this thing as a particular enforcement issue. We have a social crisis in our country, which we're not addressing. A social crisis, when I say a social crisis, is that as parenting go, most of us spend so much time at work that we're not parenting. And that's the reason why gang members are able to fill our spots. Or radicalized Muslims can fill our spots. Or far-right groups can fill our spots. Because we're not giving the kids the emotional support they want or that love they need. These kids are looking elsewhere. When they come to areas like this, they find a trap house. And the trap house is normally a house that is owned by somebody who's vulnerable. So it's like a male figure aged between 27 and maybe 40. What they do, they befriend that person, move into the house, and then they start making the drugs. And then they got themselves a house in Aylesbury somewhere, or in Iwickham. That's where, how it works. So they get the drugs from London, they come up to Iwickham, they find a trap house, they move in, and they start making the drugs, keep their weapons there. That's how they work. Then they recruit young white kids from middle-class neighborhoods or from deprived neighborhoods to look after that trap house usually around 12 to 14, 15 years old. What you find is that kids will be disappearing from school for one or two or three weeks at a time. 
And what happens is because no one understands what's going on, no one don't realize the kids who are disappearing from school for one to two or three weeks at a time, they're in the trap houses, managing the drugs for the older gang members. And of course, there's a profit in it for them, which is 100 pounds a day, 200 pounds a day, depends. So we need to understand when children go missing from school, the likely chances of them being involved or in a trap house is very high. Very high. Do not underestimate the power of the gangs. Now here's where we talk about the different world they're in. In our world, we use standard words like knife, stabbed, fight. In their world, they don't use those words. They use um, slang like strap, borer, shank, slipping, beef, wet, peas. So again, it's, it's reinforcing what I'm saying. They're in a completely different world. Their language is called street slang. They don't speak the Queen's English. So you've got to understand, if you want to deal with these young people, you have to understand their language. There's no point in trying to engage a young person because most of these young people, because of the culture, they speak street slang. And the street slang keeps changing. It doesn't change um, every week, but it does change often enough. And one of the reasons why is so that adults like yourself or the police or the youth offending team workers can't keep up with them. That's why the language changes all the time. So an example of that is... <laughs> no, the video's come at the wrong time. Okay, sorry about that. Well, obviously the slide's not there, but the, the, the other slide will show you that the language consistently changes, and so you have to be on, on point with it. So if any of you have got teenage kids, you need to understand the world that your teenage kid may be in, because you may not know the kind of music that they listen to, you may not even sort of take any notice of it, but you need to start taking notice, because the music I'm gonna play to you now, it actually promotes violence. It actually promotes lyrics that is abusive to women. It actually promotes it. And the YouTube don't care. They're in full support of it because it's all about money. So let's have a look at that video. Niggas know where I come from, yeah. east side of that London. Yeah. Anytime with them guns bust, feds come for them youngers. Yeah. And I'm still rolling that east side. Where? Niggas know by that east side. Yeah. Anywhere man will let it off and leave more shells than that seaside. Yeah. Got a new connect with that cheap price. All my dogs, then we eat nice. Yeah. Too dark, tree light. 
My cats don't eat mice. Real nigga, I'm streetwise. You don't want it with these guys. Just bump the bass on that B line. For that white sniff and that B line. Got the DJ screaming that rewind. Hustle hard in that meantime. Same gal them we run true. Same gal them you treat nice. Niggas know when we come true. Not the story got guns too. Treat you niggas like one suit. Rolling up, then we bun you. Started out with no money. DVDs that was slow money. Then I start to see drugs money. Kitchen counter with doves on it. All my dogs, them love money. That's why they buy doves from me. Yellow diamonds on my wrist. More carrots than bugs, bunny. Hustle, 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 Pinky ain't shining. Huh? Don't they know my nigga drop a gut that Cartier with them diamonds? Yeah. And this year, go hard. Them man there got no heart. Jump in the car and it won't start. Or we treat the TT like a gold card. So, for time's sake, I'm, I'm gonna stop the video. If I was to ask anyone in the audience, what did you did you understand what was said in the video? Did anybody understand what was said in the video? Some of it, you caught some of the words, good, that's good. But this is the kind of music that your kids, if they're teenagers, will listen to. The number one music in the world is hip-hop. It's the biggest selling music. It sells more than any artist you can think of. All of these music, 90% of hip-hop, bashment, bashment is reggae music, grime, Trap, this is trap and drill. Garage, house, is made by black artists, 90%. But the audience is 70% white. And that's what you've got to understand. White kids don't see color anymore. They don't care about it being a black artist or black music. We've got white kids that assimilate to black culture now. They speak black, they act black. And what we have to understand is that there's nothing wrong with that in per se, but when you take on a negative stereotype of this bad man image, this drug dealer, then it kind of reinforces to racist people that black people are about gangsters when white kids begin to assimilate that culture. Why? Because these guys, who are a very small percent of our community, are promoting that image. And this image is distorting the reality of black culture. And what we have to understand is that this is what's happening across the world. If you go to any hip hop concert, you go to any concert you want to, 70% of the audience will be white now. The dominant culture in the world when it comes to music is black culture, period. That's a fact. So you could look at the top selling white artists in the world and they cannot match hip hop, grime and drill and trap. The next, the next point I'm gonna show you is another video of a group that's never released any records. All they've done is made YouTube videos. And I'm gonna show you the power of these guys.
They went to Croatia, 15,000 Croatian fans turned up. Their first language is not English, but they were singing every word of this song. They've never released a record. These guys get bigger hits than Jay-Z, who's the biggest selling artist in the world. And what we have to understand is the power of YouTube, the damage it can do, and obviously it can do some good as well. The reason why I'm telling you this is to show you that no child whether you're rich or poor, black or white or Asian, can escape this. Because as long as they have a mobile phone, there's nothing we can do. Because we can't live in their bedrooms, we can't monitor absolutely everything they do. And this is what's happening now. We've got more and more kids getting involved because of the music. The music is spreading the culture. And that's the reason why this is a crisis now. It's a crisis that should have been dealt with by successive governments, which was never dealt with because they didn't want to address it because it was only in small neighborhoods. And now it's right across the UK in rich neighborhoods. Now we've got a problem. We had a problem before. But now we have a bigger problem because it's a culture. And it's a culture that is in a completely different world to the world that we're in. Let's have a look at this Children video. as young as 11 are involved in sexual violence against other youngsters. That is the shocking verdict of the Children's Commissioner in a report into child exploitation and gangs published today. Researchers say rape is seen as normal and inevitable. Mark Easton's report contains some disturbing details from the beginning. Voices rarely heard, disturbing voices. Young girls, witnesses to appalling sexual violence in Britain's street gangs, committed against children, often by children. It could be eight guys and one girl treating the girl like a piece of meat. 
he raped her, but then like a couple of his friends done it too. So I don't know. It's not right, but what can you do? Today I spoke to a girl, now getting help from the charity Foundation for Life, who was repeatedly raped by a gang of young boys in London. Out of everyone there, I was the youngest. I was 11, and um, like they was all 13 and 14. They just kind of undressed me themselves and wasn't really caring about what I said to them or wasn't caring how they made me feel because you could see in my face I was upset and I was crying and I told them to stop and they wasn't really bothered. They thought it was like they was laughing at the time. They, they were laughing? Yeah, they didn't see that it was serious. Today's report spoke to 188 young people in gang neighbourhoods. 41% were aware of incidents of rape. 34% had heard about gang rapes. 39% said young girls exchanged sex for drugs or drink. One of the most scary things about the research findings is that young people just feel it's an inevitability. It's part of what happens in their lives. They have no option but just to live through it because that's what happens. I'm going to stop it there because of time. But I did this piece, you'll see my piece come up at the end, but I've done this piece with the BBC. I do a lot of work with the BBC, um, and I do work with dispatches as well. And one of the things that we're not understanding is around um, this child sexual exploitation. It's bigger than what we think it is. It isn't just a gang's problem. We have a problem in general with the way women are viewed by men across this country. I can give you cases after cases where women have gone to court and have been made to feel like dirt in trying to give their testimony about being raped. And because of the way society is made up, it's made up to make women have to degrade themselves in court to the point where now we've got young girls who are unwilling to even want to come to court because what they have seen experienced by other women. That's a society we've become. I know some of you may feel uncomfortable with this, but the work that I do, because I'm an advisor to the government, is that this is what I do. I go around the country looking at different cases. Two such cases I will describe very quickly. The first being 10 young men from a gang called TMD raped a girl who had learning difficulties. They kidnapped her from the streets in broad daylight, age 14. They raped her, and to hide the evidence, they threw caustic acid on her, causing 70% burns. They only got six years, and they were out in three. That's the society we've become. You can list rape cases after rape cases where the men have served less than either three or four years, while the woman is still going to be having that emotional trauma for 10, 15, 20 years, maybe 30 that girl will never form a relationship in her life again. Now, I know it sounds like I'm generalizing, and you know we can always handpick one where a guy got 10 years. We know that. But the point what I'm saying is, generally speaking, a lot of these young girls, one, because of the world they live in, they no longer view it as rape. Two, they don't trust anybody. They don't trust you, the system, or anyone, because they've realized the system is flawed. The system is flawed against women, let alone women from a, a kind of background that the judge would always bring up as if to say just because she's from some deprived neighborhood or she's from a neighborhood where, you know, um, people have sex in, 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 in where they shouldn't be having sex at that age, um, 
they think it's completely justified to say, well, we'll just give the guy a year or two years. 6,000 girls was gang raped in 2014. That is just the ones that I know of. No convictions. So we need to be very careful about the world that we are all accepting. In our world, we're full of flaws. Our laws are biased, racially, class-wise, and gender. But in their world, that's the reason why they stay in it. Because they see our world as just as mess. They don't see our world as something to come into. Because in our world, there are so many things that is wrong with it, they just say, well, what's the point of me coming over there? Why should I come into your world? So we need to look at what society do we want? Now, you might think it's weird that a guy who used to be on the streets carrying weapons um, and, and fighting and violence sitting here talking about what society, well, you know, we all make our mistakes. I accept my mistakes, but I'm using that to try and change things. And what we have to understand, in order to change things, we've got to look within ourselves first before we can look outward. And what society doesn't do is we don't look within ourselves. We blame, we blame, we blame. Just the last slide, this one is really important. This is what a vulnerable child looks like, or a gang member. And let me tell you why I've put that there. It's because we tend to, in a society, tend to um, look at the outwardly stuff. Oh, he carried a gun, or he carries a knife, or he sells drugs. But we need to understand why. And it's the why that we need to look at, the root causes, the psychological effects, the mental stuff. The stuff we don't see on the surface. We need to start laying back the layers if we want to address this problem. Most of these kids go through these situations. Emotional trauma, rejection, loneliness, anger can go on. Depression, fear, confusion. And that's the reason why these people are easily manipulated. Because these are the baggage they carry. And unless we are prepared to go down to the root causes to address the, the problems of vulnerable children in our society, you're not going to get rid of gangs or radicalized Muslims or far-right groups. Never. You won't. Unless we're prepared to address absent fathers, unless we're prepared to address the amount of times we spend at work, unless we're prepared to address the issues that we have YouTube that promotes violence, that promotes lyrics against, um, against females, if, if we're not prepared to address any of those issues, we can't fix the problem of gangs, radicalized Muslims, or far-right groups. It will not be fixed. That is a fact. That's the reason why America is in the state it's in. Unfixable. That's the reason why parts of South America is unfixable. Because they are not prepared to address the root causes. Building new houses and making a school look good does not address the problem of vulnerable children. What addresses the vulnerable children is us showing our children love on a more regular basis so that the gang members don't need to show your kid the love that he's missing or she's missing. Now, I know time's against it, and I can go on. In fact, I should go on and just shut the whole meeting down. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, courtesy in that, I'm going to end. 
I'm going to end with, with that slide and hope you enjoyed my little presentation. <laughs>